Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Welcome back, everybody. We have an amazing episode for you today. We have my friend Tamara Andres joining us. Tamara and I met last year, as you'll hear about in the conversation at Mike Zeller's Mastermind in Orlando, which is funny because that is what I initially went to Orlando for the Mastermind and then ended up in Miami. And then here I am in Miami a year later. It all stemmed from that mastermind. I wouldn't have gone to Orlando. I wouldn't have gone to Florida from Costa Rica. So it's really interesting. Anyways, so today's conversation is a powerful one. And I really am excited for you guys to listen to this because we go deep. And one of my favorite things on the show is to go deep and to have the guests open up so that potentially, you know, you guys can really resonate with whoever I have on. And not everybody's going to resonate with you, but some definitely will. And I know today Tamara will. Her story is powerful. We first get into kind of talking about her entrepreneurial journey. Then we start to talk about trauma and shame and what that means. And we even get into um, parts of her story around sex. And we talk about the what can happen when you're young, when you're exposed to different sexual things, whether it be trauma or whether it be porn or whatever else, and and the repercussions that it can have on somebody later on. So really, really interesting conversation. There was a lot of different things um, that we talked about that I hadn't really thought about from this angle before. So I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this because it's powerful. And she's got an amazing book, which is called Always Becoming, Sex, Shame, and Love. So we, we really just kind of teased you with it. We talked about it. But I definitely want you guys to go get this book because um, she dives into it. She, she'll give you a little taste, but you'll definitely want to learn more about Tamara because she's a powerful force. She's got such a great energy about her. And I only respect her that much more now because we actually went deep deeper than I expected. I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go. And that's the beauty of podcasting is that, you know, you start to explore a conversation and then it goes deep. And that's where a lot of the magic is, as you guys know. So she's also the host of Fit to Faith podcast. And she's on a real powerful mission. You know, she she's a big believer in helping empower founders, innovators, trailblazers. And faith is a huge part of her life and a lot of how she really, how it helped shape who she is today. So she's very mission driven and it's powerful. So I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. As always, you guys, if you do get value from this, please, if you'd like to give back to the show, leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated. And yeah, we always love to see us tagged in social media and Instagram. Tamara's, in, in, Tamara's information is all in the show notes below. If you guys haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so wherever you're listening or hit the follow button. We're also available on YouTube. Let's go check us out there. And yeah, let us know what you think. 
This was a powerful, powerful episode. And I really, really, truly enjoyed it. All right. Tamara Andrews coming right up. Here we go. Tamara, welcome to University of Adversity. Good to see you. Hey, hey. Pumped to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have a chat with you. You know, I've been, we met last year. Yeah, I guess it would have been basically a year ago. And Mike yeah, Zeller's mastermind. That's right. Yeah. I remember when you walked in, you had on this like Hawaiian looking shirt. It might not have been Hawaiian. It might have been muted tones, but it was halfway unbuttoned, which is actually how my husband wears his shirt. Generally after maybe a, a glass of vino or, or two pre, pre sobriety, we haven't drank in three years, but I knew that as like a staple like I am in my zone of genius in this moment. And you had this awesome necklace that you had just gotten. And I was like, all the vibes, Lance, I, uh, I gotta meet this guy. And so it was awesome to get to know you. You were Zen, you were just coming back from, I think Costa Rica, right? Yeah, I was just, just came from Costa Rica. So it was like, I had that, I had like this beard going on and the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so wild. This is so weird. Now that I just said that out loud, last night I was literally on VRBO and Airbnb because I am booking a retreat to Costa Rica. I already have some people booked, but I was looking at different places. So we'll have to chat about best places. I've been to Tamarindo and the jungle there, but I remember you went coming back with just fresh revelation. So it was it was a cool trip for you, right? Yeah, it was good. And then, you know, coming to that mastermind was awesome because I, I met a lot of key people, including yourself, you know, and it's it was such a powerful weekend. And yeah, it just planted a lot of seeds in a lot of different spots, a lot of conversations. And it's interesting now after a year, come together finally and have you on the show. Yeah, we're, I'm so excited about it. Uh, I'm so proud of you and your consistency through it. I know how podcasting can be with having a podcast myself, but it's honestly one of my favorite things. And so having dedicated conversation with people, quality time, we were just speaking about time and our you know, presence in being in a conversation, unlike what the world and our schedules can get like, which is manic and microwaved. And so this feels so intentional, which I love. How did you get into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I was kind of bit by that bug, even though my mom kept a really tidy house when I was little. My brother, my sister, all of us are entrepreneurs and we followed in the footsteps of my mom who demonstrated it beautifully with an in-home daycare of 33 years. She had 12 kiddos in our house. Wow. I was born. Yeah. And you would walk in and think that it was like super clean and pristine and mind you, 12 kids would be dead asleep upstairs during nap time. So I, I just really loved the concept of being in my own comfort zone and also pursuing passions while also having my kids around me and being able to travel when I wanted and set my own schedule. And even though she worked from sunup to sundown, I, I knew that there was a life outside of what was a cookie cutter, you know, scenario. And so right out the gate, when I went to business school, I knew that I wanted to start my own company. I did one of those like seasons where you have no idea what you want to do, but yet we just paid tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to show up at a university to figure out what we want to do. Not the best idea in hindsight. Like we should go and go to tra travel to Costa Rica and go to all these places to find more of our identity before I think we go into anything like that. But I was going to the counselor's office and was like, I have no idea what major I should choose. So they did all this testing over a two week time frame, and every single one top three was business management. 
So like, mm. all right, well, the test says so, so I guess I'll go. And leadership has always been something I've been passionate about, but really knowing in that school that I wanted to start my own business. And I actually took that business plan that I created over the course of two years and brought it to fruition out of school. And so it started with a brick and mortar. It started with personal training. I was invested in pre and postnatal growth. And so it was a one-stop boutique shop while also helping women from personal body perspective on growing into being the most them that they could be after having babies. And then I designed a nursing bra from a, an inventor in Australia who had the number one nursing bra there and wanted to bring it to the American and UK market. And so that was the next endeavor that was super fun. And then I was also a hopping from direct level marketing and MLMs and all that for probably seven different businesses through my 20s. And then I hit a crash and burn, as you could imagine. That's a lot of stuff when you're in your 20s and don't really even know who you are. What happened with the crash and burn? Yeah, so I was running those two main businesses I just mentioned, and I also was married and had two kiddos under the age of two. And I pulled into my driveway one day, and I remember just having this huge sense of void. I had at that point, I was 29, had accomplished what most people set out for their entire life. Like we had the American dream, if, if you could call it that. I don't think that that's a real thing. I think it's fictitious now that I actually experienced what it's supposed to look like. I had the white picket fence. I had the hot hubby. I had the boy girls, the boy first girl second. I had the youngest family in the neighborhood. We both had brand new cars. We were both entrepreneurs, like check, 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 check. And yet I was definitely not joyful like I am now which you've experienced me as. I was wearing a smile and people would assume that I was happy, but I just had this massive void. I call it my tombstone moment where I recognized that what was going to end up on my tombstone if I continued living that life of supersonic and lack, that I was not going to live with the tombstone that I had as a little girl hoped and prayed and even mother, even wife, I was not standing in integrity in those roles. And so I ended up getting rid of both of those companies. It was a forced quit, I like to call it, because it was either my marriage or money. And I chose my marriage, and I'm so glad that I did. And so going back down to a root foundation, we like to call it, rather than a rock bottom, I was able to re-identify, like, what is it that I want to do? What am I meant to do when I'm here? What's my purpose? What's my calling? All those buzzwords that you hear now, I had no idea what that meant until I had nothing left to grasp hold of other than really my God and my identity. So what you're saying is what you're doing wasn't fulfilling you at all, right? Like, so that's, it's so interesting because so many people think that getting all the things and once you get there, you're going to, everything's going to be solved. Right. You're like, you could just, you want to just fill these voids with things. And when you get there, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't it. Completely. And what's weird is like, when I think now to the growth of even my mission around obliterating shame and activating purpose, when I think about fit in faith, which fit, a lot of people assume is associated to fitness, I had a revelatory experience of like, what actually is mind, body and soul fitness? And was I even applying myself in that way? And I really wasn't. I was like, it almost felt like an out-of-body experience when I look at it now. 
it was like I was a robot. And, and I talk about the American dream associated to the rat wheel of what societal expectations are. And I just honestly think I was, I was living checkbox to checkbox of this is what you do in order to be quote unquote successful. And success in the world's eyes are just really a lie. And I think you show an example of that so beautifully in finding yourself and going on your own spiritual journeys and really letting go of, of materialistic things associated to who we are as a person. What car I drive doesn't matter. What my house looks like doesn't matter. And it doesn't mean that I don't like nice things, but my identity doesn't rest in those things. Mm. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's tough too, because we see this thing called success, especially on social media. And we only see one part of the puzzle of, of people. You see this thing and then it brings this feeling of, oh, well, I don't have that yet. So I must suck at what I do. Or there's this weird comparison game going on, right? When so many people, if they would just realize that they have such a gift of their own, that they don't need to be like anybody else. But it's, it's almost as if social media sometimes can be like, oh, I want to be like that and I want to change and be like that. And if I don't get to the, where they are, then I haven't been quote unquote successful. And I mean, I've felt it at times, right? We compare ourselves to people, but really we don't even know. We don't even know what that person is feeling. We don't even know if they're really successful either. Yeah, so it's I have a really good example unfolding in my current life, like right now. So it's interesting that you're saying that because it's ultimately comes down to this valuation of self, right? And we devalue our own worth associated to what success is or isn't. And I'm in a relationship right now with someone who has started over 31 businesses. He is about to duplicate a franchise at 100 more stores across the, the country. He is so wildly, quote unquote, successful. And about a year ago, a little bit after we met, I hosted a conference and I remember he was weeping in the back and afterwards told me like, I need what you have. And I remember being like, I, I, I don't what are you talking about? And we've developed this friendship over the last nine months. And every single time we're on the phone, I can hear his dire need for the gift that I have. And I honestly think the gift that I have is peace that he doesn't have, even though he's wildly successful. He doesn't have the freedom to just like go play. I love like infusing my life with play and travel and rest because I find a catapult exists on the other side of that. And honestly, most people are just working so hard to play when I think it should be the antithesis. Such a good point. I was just talking about this too. It's, it's, you got to have that playfulness for life and that, that, that just the joy and humor and laughter. It's, it's like we, we have this weird thing in our society where you, you have to hate what you're doing to show that you're a hard worker or something. It's so bizarre. But if you think about when people are laughing in a room, everybody's having a good time, nothing matters. Everybody's present. And that's where the magic flows in. Like that is where it is. 
Yeah. And think about the example that we're providing to our legacy, to the generations that follow. I mean, I've got two kiddos who are seven and nine, and they're both entrepreneurs already because we've invested in this idea that you don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to have a certain look about you. You don't have to have a certain amount of finances to get started. I want to break the societal norm of what a job actually is. And a job is just a role. It's an identity factor to who we are. And it doesn't have to be just this idea that nine to five, I do this thing so that the rest of the time I can do what I enjoy. I want to do what I enjoy every minute of the day. And so it's been constantly breaking down, even sometimes what is being taught to them. And they have to question, why on a Monday should I be miserable that I am going to work? Why do I have to count down to Friday when I love Mondays? It's one of my favorite days of the week. And so to infuse that for my children and let them see that there is a difference to loving what you do rather than doing something to make ends meet, it's literally, it's so different for them. And it's been so cool to raise up kiddos, even though, like I said, I saw my mom do this. The antithesis to that was I saw my dad really struggle after retiring from the military. He was in for 21 years. The man could not find his identity to this day. He has not been able to figure out who am I apart from a title, apart from a suit, apart from a senior chief, right? A salute. And he has wavered, I think, in so many other elements of who he is. And that's what I was doing in that season of just deprivation. I was striving. I was struggling. I was suppressing. I was addicted. I was literally living outside of who Tamara Andress is because When I looked in the mirror, I literally looked at a void vessel. Yeah, those, the past generations were challenging because I feel like so many people did things because they were just told to do them and it was just the way it was, you know, Mm -hmm. even like, you know, our parents and, you know, it was just a different time. And I look at it and it was just, there was just no there was no value in doing what you love. It was like, do what pays the bills. Yeah. Get safety. Because I guess it was like that, you know, when you're dealing with tough times through the war and everything, it was like mm-hmm. very scarce, right? It was like, sure. get something that's going to be secure. Do this, which is, which I understand. But at the end of the day, like ignoring what you really love to do, because there's this conditioning of you have to do things that just make money and it is in demand. Yeah. It's crazy to me, but it's well, great that you're opening up these doors for people now to show yeah. that like getting into it young and loving what you do and, and Monday doesn't have to suck. Like yeah. it can be just like any other day. Like even myself, like I still look at Mondays and I'm like, so, oh, Monday, but I'm like, why do I like, it's yeah, just programming. Why? It's yeah, crazy, it right? Is. It really is. And I think for what I think too, mostly when we think of the previous generations that we are in in following and that program that you're speaking to, they totally disregarded mental health. Yeah. They totally disregarded authenticity. They totally disregarded all of these things that we now see are topics of conversation, vulnerability, mental health, all this depression, anxiety. They just disregarded it to the point that they ended up either working themselves to death literally because of whether it's cancer, whether it's stress, whether it's any of these elements that are all associated to a root cause. 
trauma was not a thing. Nobody talked about their childhood trauma. And the more that I dig deep with other people who are trying to build businesses, like that's what I love to do is like, what's your dream? What does that ideal life look like? How can we develop that and make it look abundant and have prosperity? Because you can make money off of your gifts and talents. Meanwhile, they are stuck in this cyclical ideation of who they were based on a trauma that occurred when they were little. Mm. And so I can't build a business with someone who has an identity issue, right? Like we need to fix that first. So I really go through this methodology of being who we are, then our brand, who do we become based on who we are, and then who do we serve, which is the business element after we know who we are. Because we've heard like hurt people hurt people. I honestly think that's the generation before us. Broke people break people, but healed people heal people. Aligned people align people. You're aligned, Lance, and who you are. And therefore, when you speak and you teach, even just through this show, you're allowing people to come into this understanding of their mental, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, even financial well-being. I appreciate it. As are you. <laughs> One day as are you I mean it's you know you brought up trauma and you brought up these identities and it's so important because I can relate so much to just the unraveling of the past and not allowing that that cloudy lens to be the lens that you look at life through and it's so interesting how these stories of the past and these traumas sneak up, these emotions that we have to these things. And, you know, people think, well, I failed at that. So I'm probably going to fail at this. And I suck at this and these stories that they perpetuate. And it's, I'm, I'm curious as to how does, how, what's the steps that you have for people that have that, like that shame, that like low vibe energy and like that trauma that just keeps stopping them? Like, how do you, First of all, how do you help them realize that that's an issue? And second, like how do you, how does somebody take the first step to move through that? So it's kind of I don't do it sneaky on purpose, but often within the first like two sessions of someone coming to like build a business with me, they are in tears. They're in this place of recognizing there's so much more work to be done here and I am currently not a therapist by any means. And I say currently not because who knows if I decide to go that route and, and really dissect and serve in that way. But I know that with the work that I've done in my own personal life, that this is a fundamental element for us to actually stand up boldly and fiercely. And being an entrepreneur, you have to be bold. You have to have yeah. a sturdy foundation. You have to know who you are because someone's going to shake that to the core every single day. And so we go through this passion to pain dissection. And I remember several years after that scenario happened where I pulled into the driveway and felt completely void. And I saw my waddling nine-month-old. Instead of coming to me, she turned around to daddy. And that was like, that was really hard for me because I had just stopped nursing. Several years later, I'm sitting in the back with my husband in our backyard. And he's like, cool as a cucumber, feet kicked up. And He's living that entrepreneurial dream while we are going to therapy once a week, me individually, twice a week, once with him, once by myself. We were doing this for three years. He said this question, and it was so pivotal to me, which is how I start with my clients is, what are you passionate about? And I remember in that moment having zero answer. I had literally spent all of our life savings on all these businesses I mentioned to you previously. 
And I didn't think I was passionate about any of them. And he's looking at me with his eyes huge, like, we just spent our life savings. How are you not passionate about any of those things? Like, who are you? I don't even know who you are in this moment. And it came down after really looking at it that I was passionate about people. And if I'm passionate about people, what is it about people that I want to see in them to be able to thrive? And it was this element of being able to own your pain, own what you've walked through, own that trauma, and it to be utilized as a weapon to how you serve the world. And so I take them through this pain to passion dissection. What pains, what traumas have you walked through? What things keep you awake at night? What triggers you on a consistent basis? And the antithesis of that, what are your hobbies? What do you love? What's that ideal day look like? What things keep you motivated? What, what you know, just lights you up from the inside out? And then we do this transformation zone because what I found that is anything that's on the pain list is always connected to something on the passion list. So if you are very um, painstaken about sex trafficking, I've never been sex trafficked, but I had child abuse when I was little. I had sexual trauma when I was small. And so from that, I am so passionate, even from my, you know, minuscule experience, even though it was tr very traumatic to me, comparing to sex trafficking, it literally makes me so irate. So when I think about how does this apply to a passion, it's a passion to be able to be philanthropic with my money and be able to serve the eradication of sex trafficking and trauma associated to that and therefore moving people from shame to action, right? So this is everyone's story. If you were to do that methodology, you would recognize Lance like, whoa, everything that I do is in this transformation zone. How then can I cultivate a business that keeps me in that space? Because if you are teeter-tottering between what agitates you and what makes you passionate every single day, you will not lose your fire. You will not lose motivation. I love that. I've never heard of like that way of explaining. I think that's really, really useful. Yeah, it's, I had to embrace, I had to embrace it instead of letting it diminish me because mm -hmm. that's what shame does. Shame keeps you from thinking you're unworthy. Shame keeps, keeps you in that scarcity mentality, even with money. Shame keeps you away from all the things that are for you. And so how do we get past that? We've got to obliterate shame. We've got to get past the triggers. We have to understand and then embrace it and use it as our power source rather than the thing that keeps you stifled. Yeah, shame is an interesting one. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like we need to know about it though, to know that like, it's almost like a gauge because if we don't feel shame, then how do we know that something isn't right for us? Right. Like, but you don't want to sit in it too long. Right. Right. Cause I've been thinking about that lately and I, I'm curious what you think. Like if we didn't feel it at all, then what we're doing, like there, there has to be like that feeling to even know that, that, you know what I mean? Like to I know do, that I that. Agree. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it's that? It's like understanding. So just to clarify for people the difference between shame and guilt. So okay. guilt is I did something wrong. Right. Shame is I am wrong. Okay. Mm. I did something wrong. I feel guilty about that versus I am wrong keeps me stifled from my everything, from love. Right. It keeps me stifled from hope. It keeps me stifled from my identity in the mirror from self-love. 
right? You stay in a place of hatred rather than hating a thing or an action. You're actually hating yourself. Mm. That's the variable. And so understanding that and feeling that, I do feel that was what catapulted me into my faith. That was what catapulted me into the greatest love I've ever known. That's what catapulted me into mental health and emotional stability because I didn't want to feel that way. And I remember in that season of void, I woke up after having a night filled with panic attacks. I was shaking head to toe. I was convulsing my whole body. And my husband, who I did not even deserve to be sleeping next to him in the bed at that time, was holding me. I didn't have words. I didn't know what was making me so afraid or why that was happening, but it was a panic attack. And that next morning, I get online and I start Googling like a therapy, a a way to get better, something that was going to help me. And any like treatment center that was even associated to, I didn't know what to look for. Panic attacks, really. It was 40 grand, 40 grand to go. And I had to check out of my life for at least 30 days. Well, I had a one and a two-year-old. That was not an option for me. And so when I think through our role as a humanity, somebody who has, you know, gone through a healing journey, and mind you, I am still becoming, I have so much growing to do. I mess up every day. But simultaneously, that, I've unlocked some pretty beautiful keys in my life that I want to hand off to people. And I realized I couldn't do that. So my next step was, well, what can I do? And in that, what can I do? That's when I got into therapy. That's when I walked into a Pentecostal church, which totally blew my white hymnal like perspective of religion out the door. And I started to embrace a relationship with my creator. And those things simultaneously allowed me to see myself in my imperfection for the first time in that shame and be completely okay with that imperfection and love it right like you almost have you have to love it because yeah. it's like you have to give it love because otherwise you're you're not allowing it you're, you're pushing it away you have to love it because it's seeking love from you it's seeking to be seen and felt right yes one thousand percent and then it doesn't have that power because it's like the pushing the resistance of it is what gives the the uncomfortable feeling of it. Like it's so interesting. Well, in the very first time I ever even knew what the root of my shame was, and and that's something I really would want people to explore is like, where did that come from? Where did that start? A lot of times it's a childhood trauma scenario that you've suppressed so much that you might not even know it existed. And that was my story, literally suppressed a memory away, multiple memories away. And I just hit it in that closet, like that Pandora's box. And it was about three sessions in with the therapist that I actually started to tell the truth to. That's another thing. You can go to therapy all day long, but if you're still lying, if you're still not honest with yourself, it doesn't work. So be willing to be honest. So it was my third therapist and my third session with this therapist. And she asked me a, a really blunt question in front of my husband that made my stomach curdle. And she said, have you, are you a sex addict? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, are you, are you a sex addict? And I'm like, looking at my husband, looking at the lady. And I'm like, I would not classify myself as that. No, like I'm not addicted to porn. I, I have only had, I can count the amount of people I've been with, right? Like, I don't think so. And she's like, I'm going to have you read this book. 
And so I read this book called No Stones. And a couple of chapters in, I fell to fetal position and a wave of memories came back to me about this sexual trauma that had happened when I was three years old. And it happened multiple times. And I like had that life flash before your eyes, like you're dying kind of scenario where I realized the root to every other thing that occurred around sex for the rest of my life. I was cyber sex addicted when AOL dial-up internet first started. I didn't have sex till I was like 16, but I was sexting, quote unquote, with guys all through high school. I was addicted to the imagination of it all, even though I didn't really act on it. It was something that really fueled me and I could never understand why. And also having that in a covenant love and a bounding of a marriage is not healthy. So I need to have that addiction towards my spouse, yes, but not in my brain, not a fake ideology of. That's why porn is so bad for people who are married. And so it was this understanding of that root trauma that catapulted me into the understanding of loving myself again. And I had to reparent that inner child that was so broken for so long and living in the dark for so long. And that's why I felt like I was wearing a mask and I was totally void because I wasn't really even being fully me. I would never allowed myself to self-express to the way that I do now. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because that is so powerful for people because I think it's a lot more common than we, when, than we believe it is. Like these things, a lot of people don't know if they have that even. Like how have they, this is the thing that I'm so interested in is like, how many people live their whole life without ever finding that out? And it's really important that you're able to share that. And I, I think people will, will really get a lot from that because there's always a reason for the behaviors, right? And it's like understand, you know, getting to that root. But a lot of people aren't willing to be honest and aren't willing to, they just want to shut that idea down or like, I mean, not everybody has, you know, sexual trauma, but maybe, maybe a lot of people do to some degree, but we just don't talk about it a lot. Right. Right. Like oh, we I don't talk it about this so stuff. Frequent. It's crazy. Listen we, it's, to this, Lance. Listen yeah. to this stat. I'm at a, a women's retreat. I host women's retreats around the world because I love to travel and I love to bring people together. And I, I know the work that has to go into solving this, this massive pandemic right? This is the pandemic that's occurred, yeah, not COVID, right? I agree. And so I'm sitting in this room and I don't know a majority of these women. They've come from different parts of the world. They don't know one another. And within 24 hours, I am being handed their largest secrets. I'm being handed their Pandora's box. And that's a heavy pressure, right? Like there's a lot to that. And I had to remember that it wasn't mine to carry. It's also not mine to solve but it's mine to hold space for honesty for the first time, exploration of what that could look like in the healing process. And 12 women, 12 out of 12, had sexual abuse. Wow. 12 out of 12. And that's crazy scenarios. Yeah. And as we were like coming to this revelation day by day, I was like, again, sick to my stomach thinking, this is so much more normal. It's by family members. It's by best friends of family members. It's by dads and moms. It's by same-sex situations. It's, it's bananas. 
And I see it time and time again, because while I, you know, my profession, my vocation is in business building, the ultimate call is for this work to be done. And so a majority of people who are in my profession doing what I'm doing, they would write a business book, right, as a business card. And I was not called to that. I was called to share my story first. And so I first wrote the book, Always Becoming, Sex, Shame, and Love. It came out last fall. And the intention of that was to let people know that business can't be built until identity is built. And so that's, I remember releasing that book and feeling like I was birthing my third child for the first time. It was one of the most bearing all experiences, way more than telling my story to my husband in front of a therapist, way more than a flashback, because I felt like for the first time, instead of just my therapist or my husband seeing me, my family members were going to see me, the world was going to see me, strangers were going to be able to judge me. And I think ultimately judgment is one of the reasons that we don't we don't share. And that's exactly what we're talking about full circle was the problem of comparison. It's not comparison because she's prettier, he's wealthier, she goes there, he has this. It's actually connected to our root shame. And that's why it can be so, you know, life threatening. That's why I really love people like you that are willing to share their their truth because this is what we need in life we don't like we need to know like i want to know the human you know i want to know to the core like the the real human behind the human because that is what really matters at the end of the day you strip away all the businesses and stuff and everything it's like like i want to know the human and connect and then you're absolutely right if you don't if you can't get to that of yourself, then how are you ever going to build a business of value that's going to connect with people? Like you got to, you got to be able to, like, at least for me, you know, interviewing so many people like yourself, amazing people. It's like, once you learn their story and you go deeper and they share, there's just this magic that happens. Right. And yeah. And, and every time somebody does that, I learn more about myself too, you know, and it's like, absolutely, it's just so profound. So I, I just think that there's a, that's the problem too, is there's a lot of people that are just kind of putting on a facade that they don't really want to share their truth. And it's kind of sad because the vulnerability is where the magic is. Yeah, I agree so much. And even like thinking, I was just at an amazing conference this past weekend speaking called Embrace Your Ambition. And there was you know, some incredible speakers. Nat Natasha Graziano was there. Her husband, Michael, was there. Prince and Clark. I mean, I could go down the list. Emily Lago was there too. That was, Here's I saw Laga. that. She wrote the forward for my book. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love her so much. She's amazing. on that book. She <laughs> is. And so like thinking through, you know, they share something traumatic. Most of them have something that has happened to them, which is how they've now built their life off of that pain, if you will. It's this knowing that even in that, there has to be the continued vulnerability of how now does that affect you on a daily basis? We know Amberly has, you know, pain. Every single day she wakes up with pain because of this, this leg injury, almost losing her leg. We know Natasha probably has some major life triggers that she doesn't necessarily, at least from my perspective, I haven't heard her talk about yet. She talks about motivation and success and that you can do it. But I was talking about through my story, you know, consistent triggers that occur. 
And how do we face those triggers and how do we utilize them? And instead of being triggered into fear, we reflip the script. We change the neuroplasticity of our brain to trigger ourselves into faith based on that pain. And so knowing the road markers, knowing the hazard signs of who you are, that's the true vulnerability. That's the always becoming journey. That's the knowing that like, even in my awareness of my shame, even in my identity, like blossoming and being able to first time in my life, stand in front of the mirror and like look beyond my flesh and see my soul and be satisfied. It has allowed me to recognize that every day I've got to work to maintain this alignment. And so does everyone else. It's not a highlight reel. It's not all of those things. Every single day as in, you know, people will say high achievers or successful entrepreneurs, whatever that, you know, facade is, it's humanity. It's every day I've got to love myself. That's the priority because love is a magnet. And being a, a, a vessel for love allows my business to grow, allows me to thrive in these other arenas. But it's not because I'm, I've got a really good business. Like that part matters, but not really, right? I think that's the humanity that you're in search of sharing and you do so beautifully on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you for, yeah, there's so much there that this is just so important for people. And yeah, the, the that's the real thing now for me is it's it's hard for me to connect with somebody or something unless I can know something deeper mm-hmm. about them. <laughs> like it's it's almost like it's like it's almost like it's jaded me because like I don't unless you're gonna tell me some stuff, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I, agree. I, I have the you hardest know? time having surface level conversations. It's so hard. I'm like, I don't really want to talk about the weather. That's not really my my heart. Like, how are you really doing, right? Yeah. Like, what what does it feel like to be alive today? Truthfully, mm. not good. Everybody says, I'm good. Are you? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's- I'm the same. This programming. I'm curious as to like, what is your, what does your morning look like? Because, you know, it does take work to, to get yourself into that state every day. And it's different for everybody. I'm just curious as to- you know, you have two kids, you have a family. What does your morning look like? Like, how does that unfold? Yeah, I am generally first up. I'm first out the gate. I'm first to the horses. Early bird gets the worm. Like all those things are so necessary, especially if you're a parent. I did find for a long time when I was being woken up because I was exhausted. I was so tired doing this work. is is hard work. It's heavy work. It's emotional work. I was so drained every day. But when my kiddos woke me up, I found myself immediately triggered into overwhelm immediately triggered into anxiety, immediately triggered into I have no time, right? That that thought pattern. And so the earlier I wake up, which is between 4.30 and 5.30 every day, the better I am. If I move immediately in the morning, the better that I am. When I have that quiet time of reading, whether it's a daily devotion, whether I'm in time of meditation and prayer, whether I'm just actually, and I know a lot of people say don't touch their phone at the early morning, but I operate best at that time. So I do engagement in the morning as well. I feel like I'm immediately drive or driven to show gratitude. And if gratitude is through thanking other people who are showing me light and love in their social media spectrum, it's starting their day because I know I'm starting my day before them. It's starting their day off with affirmation and gratitude as well. Um, and so that's something that's really important to me, encouragement to others in the morning. And then my babies are up shortly after that. And so to be 
a receiving vessel of love at that moment versus me needing love at that moment. I can receive their love and immediately have so much to overpour, outpour to them. Starts their day in such a different arena than when I am last awake. What are you working on right now? Do you have another book in the works? Do you have anything exciting that you're, you're, you know, that you're birthing right now or building? Yeah. Yeah. So I have the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference, which is an annual conference I host. We have a plethora of speakers and it's, it's this work. It's heart work, but it's also the head work. It's the knowing that we've got root things to, to talk about, but we simultaneously want to build our businesses. And so it's a both and experience that's happening in Nashville later. And then I also have an anthology that I'm putting together called The Joyful Entrepreneur. And it's really talking to these hard things in order for people to have a behind the curtain experience on how people do have what quote unquote success might look like to the world. And it's, it's based in these root traumas and overcoming them. So I'm excited about that as well, which I intend to make that probably an annual anthology project. But Beyond that, you know, it's just honestly serving everyday lands. It's figuring out like what's the next step. There's constantly in this world new ideas, new, you know, opportunities and making sure that I am stewarding all of these moving pieces well, even though I don't necessarily believe in balance. So doing it in a seasonal methodology and ultimately that that day to day alignment. Mm -hmm. Love it. For somebody out there right now that may be struggling with whatever's going on in their life, with, you know, the craziness of the world, their business, anything. What advice do you have them for today that you can leave them to walk away with? There's so many things. I think ultimately it's to do the heart work. You know, I think the world is so fixated on getting to the mountain peak, right? Like the hard work that it takes to get somewhere, to do something great. But it would be so much more great if you were to feel whole every single day. That would catapult you, honestly, to be able to circumvent what feels really hard. My endurance when I go to any mountaintop, any goal that I have set because of the work that I've done internally is it feels easy to transcend. And it's because of the wholeness factor of humanity that is accessible to every single person who's listening. And so I would say do the heart work and spend the time, spend the the time saying no to all the other things so that you can say yes to yourself, which ultimately is a service to everyone connected to you. Powerful stuff. And I'm excited. I got to pick up your book as well. It sounds amazing. And I highly recommend everybody grabs it too, because we kind of teased them a little bit here, right? Yeah, she did. <laughs> it's funny because I was about to, I was about to bring it up, and then you brought it up. I was like, perfect, because I wanted to make sure we cover it. Because, you know, that's the thing: is people want to know people. Yeah. People see the happiness and the the energy, but then you know they want to go deeper. And it's so awesome that you're willing to share that and go there because then it gives permission to other people to do the same, right? Everybody's just yeah. looking for permission. Permission slips. So, Can I be myself? Is that okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that allows you to go deeper into those conversations and yeah. really, really explore with people. I find even on the days where my clients or myself or even friends and family, when we are having those like low moments of just weeping, right? And and letting letting out or letting go of what we're harnessing inside as hard, they actually end up being the highest moments of our life. And so I want to go really low. I want to go deep with people so that we can experience a high 
And, and I think that there are highs that are healthy. There's adrenaline that is healthy that we can tap into rather than addiction. And I think that's a whole other conversation we could get into. But we, we live in an addicted society that I think is ultimately just striving for that depth that we're talking about here. Yeah, the polarities are so important. You know, like you got to know the degree that you're willing to feel the dark or see the dark is the degree the light that you're able to appreciate, right? It's like if you're constantly in this like vanilla, not you're not experiencing either side, well, that's what life is going to feel like. Yep. Right. And and it's beautiful because like you can feel so much joy. You don't, but you don't appreciate that until you've felt the other side, which sometimes I wish it didn't have to be that way, but sometimes that's just the way it is. The human experience, you know, it's like, it's okay. And it's not, you're not crazy. If you can feel both simultaneously as well. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people think like, how are you so happy that that feels like a facade, but I've been able and feel like I now know how to embrace joy, even in the midst of what can be catastrophic. And so before mm-hmm. I couldn't, I was constantly like, oof, 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 oof. she's happy. She's sad. She's like emotional. Right. And that I think isn't a, a factor that it's antithesis to like women versus men. It's that we as a humanity haven't unlocked. How do we maintain one or the other and embrace one or the other, both as good, both as well, both as soul and life-giving because it's such a gift to be able to feel those depths as much as it is to live constantly in a high. I was talking to this guy. You're going to love this. Have you heard of the children's Pixar movie Inside Out? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So it's phenomenal. You would love it for this conversation specifically. Basically, five core emotions are represented. Each of the core emotions are a different color. So there's green, it's disgust. Blue is sadness. Purple is fear. Red is anger. And yellow slash sparkly green is joy. And I was talking to one of the best friends of the writer of that Pixar film. And I said, you know, I just wish that I could figure out how to exist in joy more. And this was at another Zeller Mastermind, coincidentally, earlier this year. And he looked at me and he kind of cocked his head and he was like, crossed his hands. He said, that's really interesting. And I'm like, why? Doesn't everybody want to be more joyful? And he said, no, you actually discredited the other, you know, four elements of who you are. So only a fifth of you is good. So everything else is bad. And I just like looked at him perplexed for a minute. And I'm like, I kind of felt bad. I had to almost like repent to myself. I, I feel bad. I love all of you. And anger is the ability to activate. Anger is our warrior spirit, right? Sadness is also my ability to empathize with people, to be with them. Fear is my antithesis. I can activate that faith that we talked about earlier. And the element of, of anger, I said, disgust is what actually propels me to activate for sex trafficking, like I mentioned earlier. Disgust is what gets you out of bed because you don't want to see somebody go through that situation again. Even if you're a nurse or a doctor, there's the disdain of the hurt, and therefore that's what propels you. So every element which could appear to be negative, actually in our perspective, in our activation of truth, allows us to experience the other side of it. But it takes courage. To, to not harness what society says is bad. So I want to be all five of my emotions and I want to be able to embrace them as weapons and not use them as a warfare against me when I'm feeling one of those emotions. I don't think I've had anybody ever explain it that well with 
the way you just did that. I think that was phenomenal. And it's such a good perspective of embracing all the emotions. Inside out. We've got to. They're all there with purpose. Yeah, that's so key. There was a quote that you said that before we, we end this, it was, I wrote it down, but I missed the last part that I really loved. You've been able to embrace the joy in, was it in the chaos or was it in, there's something else. What, what was the word? It was so good. I was ah, like, I was like listen back. I think it's the chaos. I mean, in the chaos of all the, yeah, other emotions. Because embracing the joy in, that is what I've been really looking at. And the reason I resonate with that is because I've been like thinking about that. Like that's the key. It's, it's being able to be joyful in any moment, not only when things are really good, but how do you see the joy in the challenge too? Like, how can you still be joyful and playful? Like, that's the thing I've, I, I'm interested as well about the, you know, different spiritual teachers and what makes them spiritual. It's like the playfulness and the joyfulness all the time yeah. while still feeling the pressure cooker, but you're able to understand the situation and what it's doing for you and you can still stay joyful like yeah. at the same moment so yeah. it's like well, it's so all interesting emotions exist simultaneously yeah Just because you feel one way doesn't mean that the other emotions aren't there they yeah. are and so how are you embracing them yeah. it's, it's such a that that movie and that conversation of that movie has really been something i've resonated with for the last several months that i've brought me to a new awareness of myself. And so, you know, like I said, we're always becoming, no one has it figured out. I don't have it figured out. I've just taken the time to explore. And I think that's where if we played around a bit with our trauma and played with what story we tell ourselves about that trauma, we can rewrite that story enough that that's how we harness it and use it as a weapon. Beautiful. Always be coming. You guys make sure to pick that up. I love that because I say that all the time. It's like, we don't have it all figured out. Anybody that says that is full of, you know yeah. what? Like, <laughs> they I need to go like find they're, miss, they're, missing the, they're missing the point. It's like the life yes. is the beautiful journey of getting and figuring it out the next level, you know? And, yes. and I love that. And it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great title. And yeah, thank you so much, Tamara. This was awesome. So good. Could talk yeah. to you all day. I know. It's so fun. We did when we were at the last thing. I'm like, we've got to pay attention, Lance. <laughs> Love it so much, brother. I can't wait to go on some for sort of ex experience or adventure with you. I'm sure we will in the future. Thanks Absolutely. for this time. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Wow, what an episode. We covered a lot. And, you know, the, it's it's when you think about how much shame we all walk around with around certain things and um, just how how it just gets in the way of our light right and but at the same time you know it's good to learn it's good to know what brings that so that we can use it and propel us forward and i think tamar did a a brilliant job at illustrating that and really helped me look at things different too and you guys if you are struggling out there you know we both aren't therapists and if you do have things that you want to explore, definitely go grab a therapist. This is something that I haven't done yet, but I keep hearing about it. And it's like one of the one things that I haven't done in my personal development journey. Well, not one thing. I mean, there's many things I haven't done, but I haven't actually had a therapist. 
but I honestly have felt like I've been in therapy on this podcast. Like that's how much it's helped me. But really though, guys, for real, if you, if, if you are struggling with these things, you know, there's, there's, you're not alone here. And this is why I really wanted to, um, you know, this is why I love having conversations like this because, you know, the healing is all possible, right? Sometimes the things that we think um, are holding us back, it's actually deeper and there's always a reason behind it to our behaviors. And that t- the talk around sex and sexual behavior and sex around and, and porn, it really made me think. It's like how... And I talked to this, talked to Tamara about this a little bit. It's like, do they know how much trauma or how many people have sexual trauma as kids? And that's why there's such a demand. That's why there's such an exposure to porn. Like it's a, it's a wild thought that it's such a big industry and people are so drawn to it because it's like amplifying that desire that comes from trauma as a kid like i don't know i just started to think about this because you know there's a as she said there's a lot of people that have you know and it doesn't have to be like sexual abuse it can just be things that happened or you're exposed to certain things before you were ready to understand it properly and it can just shape how you look at things and i don't know this is something that i haven't really explored so it's just interesting and i'm curious to hear what you think and there's a real, yeah, there's a real problem with the amount of porn and the amount of that crap out there that, you know, everybody is, well, I don't know, most people have, have participated in or seen, or obviously everybody knows about it. And it's just something that doesn't really get talked about. And I, I mean, I don't really talk about it either. It's kind of like a, something that doesn't really get explored, but I really appreciate people like Tamara that can come out and and talk about these things because sometimes the root of these things when we can uncover them they can really help you know heal us later on so something to think about i hope you guys enjoyed that episode leave us a review on apple if you got value from us follow tamara on social media and tag us in a story if you did enjoy that episode we love that on instagram and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast Subscribe wherever you're listening or hit the follow button on Spotify. We're also available on YouTube. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have an amazing day. Catch you next time.